0: A huge thank you to Pastor Chris and the team for an incredibly warm welcome for me and my family. We are thrilled to be joining your family, this church family, and to share this journey with you all. I will admit, though, that it has been strange to, A, move across the country in the midst of a pandemic, and B, join a new community without the ability to be physically together. Well, let's pray as we start today. Father in heaven, I pray that today your message comes through despite me, a broken vessel. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, for those of you who can, please do me a favor. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. If you can do that, say, I got you, Jason. Well, as Pastor Chris said last week, the plane lands this week as we finish up what has been a long, amazing journey through Galatians, and it has been quite a journey. My family and I have been blessed through this series, through Galatians, and through this community I love that you've been committed to walking through this text slowly and systematically with questions and conversations, with an open heart and willingness to wrestle with the text. The Bible is meant to be read and wrestled with in community. In fact, that is precisely the point of Galatians. Throughout this series, Paul has been coaching us about what it means to be the community of Christ, to truly be the community of Christ, warts and all. That is the beauty and the power and the grace of being a community with the Bible open. By walking through Galatians, we're, invite, we're inviting God to shape our community. We've invited him to shape us individually. When we systematically walk through the text, we engage with God's mind and heart by beholding his mind and his heart. We become changed. However, we still are free, aren't we? Free to choose, free to be you and me. We don't fully see to ourselves, do we? Surely that's not the call of Christ. And we've recognized through this series that our neighborhood is called freedom. Paul has clearly established that throughout this letter, and because our address is freedom, we are free indeed. But what does it mean? to truly be the community of Christ. Well, we pick up the text with the last few verses of Galatians 5, leading into the final chapter of the book. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. I'll hold it right there. What does this actually mean? What is the difference between living and walking? And what difference does it make if we're doing these things by the Spirit? Unfortunately, familiarity is not always our friend when it comes to spiritual process. Words and phrases that have seared themselves into our psyche from early ages may lose their potency if we fail to engage with them at the level that they require. They become trite, and they may lose meaning. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. What's the difference between living and walking? Well, the difference... Between living and walking is specific action. Living is important, but not specific directed action. Walking is. Living is heart beating, lungs breathing, anything else. But walking, walking, that's specific. Let us walk by the Spirit. Let us use specific action in our pursuit of God's Spirit. Specific action regarding God's intentions specific action to join alongside God. Have you ever walked <laughs> beside someone before? I'm sure you have. How easy is it to stay in step with that person? So I have a long torso but short legs, proportionally. That makes my stride unique, to walk along, alongside another person. My wife Heidi, for example, or either of my sons, um, To be able to do that takes intention and attention. I'm not the fastest walker on planet Earth. I naturally fall behind, typically. It requires intention and attention to keep in step. Another point worth noting is that throughout Galatians, Paul is establishing the community of Christ based on the Spirit. It is a community by the Spirit. Why is this important? Well, the Spirit is outside of us and not within our control. If we're honest about our intention to walk with God's Spirit, we will change. That is a much more likely outcome than me changing God's Spirit. It's not like God's Spirit is like, oh, that's a great point, Jason. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I should change. (laughs) Yeah, right. By choosing to walk with God's Spirit, I am effectively declaring that God has full permission to change me. When was the last time that you gave God full permission to have his way in your life, in your steps, in your thoughts? God, I give you full permission to take out the mind of Jason and give me the mind of Christ. Hmm. Freedom in the spirit, freedom within the community of Christ really is submission to God. That's really the true nature of freedom. Freedom isn't this lawless notion of individualism that has become sacrosanct in some groups. Freedom is always within the context of proper boundaries. That's what freedom in Christ looks like, submission to the Spirit of God. This has profound implications for us as individuals, but even more so when we consider that God is building through His Spirit Look at verse 26. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Hear these words. Let us not become boastful. Why do people boast? Why do we boast? What is the reason why someone would boast? We boast because it establishes our social position. We boast because we believe it bumps up our status. That's why we boast. Normally, we enter social situations attempting to place ourselves, set our position among the others. I'm, I'm not as good as this person, but I'm definitely better than that person. I'm not that good, but not that bad. We attempt to puff ourselves up and climb the social ladder. Why does Paul say, let us not become boastful? The reason why is because that's not how a community that walks by the Spirit operates. We don't derive our value in the community of Christ in the same way the world does. Mike Iaconelli, a pastor, a legend, a guru, uh, he founded Youth Specialties, and he told a story about a church that he visited in Denver once that had pictures of its board members on the wall in the lobby. And it had them listed owner of this company, CEO of that company, John Elway, legendary quarterback and owner of Elway Motors. <laughs> so Yachenelli was sickened by that shameless porting of the values of the world into the church. Then he went on to say, what if that church had a picture of Bob Nobody on the wall? Yeah, he's our board chair. Uh, He's not a CEO. He's never been a professional athlete. In fact, I don't think he owns anything at all. Well, why is he your board chair? Because he has an inspiring, infectious connection With God and really leads us to become more like Jesus. Paul tells us to avoid being boastful because not only is the result provocation and envy, right? If someone boasts, what ends up happening? People get irritated or people get jealous, or maybe both. But boasting does not change our status within the community of Christ. And this is the mystery of the community of Christ, the paradox. What gives us value isn't our position or accolades. According to Paul's message to the Galatians, what has value is a life that walks by God's Spirit. Now, this offends the sensibilities because the community of Christ upsets the social order. It upsets the pecking order. It upsets how we arrange ourselves And it's borderline scandalous that we don't have to establish or justify our status in the community of Christ. If we do, however, as humans are wont to do, then maybe our community isn't fully a community of Christ. Maybe we still have miles to go. Not only does Paul tell us what the community of Christ looks like when it walks by the Spirit, he then take steps to help us get there like any good coach. My wife Heidi is an educator and has extolled the virtues of scaffolding, helping people get to the next step instead of forcing them to try and fail when they're attempting three steps or four steps beyond what's currently achievable. In chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says that the careful work of restoration when community is broken, requires skill and self-reflection. Not everyone is skilled at restoration, at restoring someone back into the community, and, dare I say, spirit-led enough to engage with the fraught work of correction within the church. But who engages with correction? How many stories have we heard of indelicate instances of the church folk and you know what I mean by church folk, who are quick to correct, right? The ones who forget about the requisite spirit of gentleness that Paul talks about. It's requisite for proper restoration. Pay attention to the warning that follows. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. And this temptation isn't that you'll fall into the same sin that you're trying to correct necessarily. The context is status within the community. That is actually the temptation. The temptation of status. Correctors are definitely not higher than non-correctors. If done incorrectly, there could be dire consequences. Well, Paul goes on in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Throughout this journey through Galatians, we've seen this fight between Paul and the Judaizers, those who esteem the law of Moses. Paul counters this with the law of Christ. And here in verse 2, he lets the cat out of the bag. Here is how you fulfill the law of Christ. This is it. No, no illusions. This is actually it. Bear one another's burdens. Now, the word here for burden is different than the word in verse 5 for load. The word in verse 5 is the amount that is is appropriate for one person to carry. The word here in verse 2 is an amount that one person is not able to carry. I told you that the way of Christ upsets the social order. There's debate, even within the church, that everyone should have individual responsibility. That person should carry their own weight. Verse 5 tells us that they should. And sometimes, burden is appropriate for one person to carry. However, verse 2 lets us in on a take on reality that some may be reluctant to acknowledge. Some people in our midst, bear burdens that are more than one person should have to carry, literally in the text. How does that happen? How is it possible that some get saddled with burdens that are too much for an individual to carry? Is it an accident of birth, bad choices by the individual, or systems that oppress? This text doesn't tell us how it happens necessarily, but it does tell us that that is a reality within our midst, that the community of Christ is obligated. It's actually commanded to correct. This is how the law of Christ is fulfilled. Bear the burdens of each other, especially when the burden is more than one, than any one of us should have to carry. Who among us are in this category? Who among us suffer silently waiting For the community of Christ to take him seriously, who among the marginalized are dealing with more weight than any one person should have to carry? Completely different topic, but not really. So I love Amazon Prime. It's fantastic. It is the least exclusive club in America, and I'm proud to say I'm part of it. Am I proud? I'm not sure. But it's true. And I'm amazed when I can order something on Sunday and get it on Monday. It is incredible, right? Who, who understands what I'm talking about? Now, have you ever gotten the notification that an item would be delivered on Monday, but then it doesn't get there until Tuesday? What? <laughs> we get so mad. Rage, outrage. How dare you deliver it on Tuesday when Monday was promised to me? (laughs) The greatest sin in this modern world is inconvenience, isn't it? I have bad news for the community of Christ. Because the way of Christ is inconvenient. Empathy is inconvenient. Do you think the Good Samaritan was good because it was convenient? He was, called, he was called a neighbor, right, by Jesus. And in fact, I would dare say that this particular neighbor's address, right, was freedom. A place where the residents walk by the Spirit. And yes, that's what it looks like. That is what it looks like. The Good Samaritan is what it looks like. Now, this section of Galatians deals primarily with these two values, individual responsibility and mutual accountability. We are our own persons with the freedom to live and be and act and do, yet we belong to each other. In Galatians, Paul lays out the parameters for being together. A social contract for the community. This is how it is. These are the guidelines for the community guided by the Spirit. Should you choose to accept it, but even the choosing takes effort. It really does. This is why Paul says in verse 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. He says, let us not lose heart, because sometimes walking by the Spirit is painful. Sometimes following Christ is tiring. Sometimes we discover that carrying the burdens of others that they shouldn't have to carry in the first place is hard work. And we get tired. Well, think about their experience, right? We chose to join their burden. Perhaps they had no choice in the matter. Why would you choose the harder path? Why would you choose the harder path? Why would you choose inconvenience? Why would you? Because this is the way. Every religion seeks to answer this question. What is the good life? What's the best way to live? What's the good life and who has it? And Paul actually tells us the way of Christ is the best way to live. A hundred percent. It is not necessarily the easiest way to live. And it's definitely not the most convenient way to live. Hear the hope of Paul, though. In due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, While we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, this is where the plane lands. Paul shows us the neighborhood called freedom. Its residents understand that they are their own persons, and yet they also know that they belong to each other. When those in the community find themselves under the strain and stress of a burden that one person should not have to carry, the neighbors rally. When restoration or correction is needed, a spirit of gentleness is used with the master's skill. Boasting doesn't happen in the neighborhood because value isn't derived by the best house on the block or the size of your Bible. And the neighbors know that if they can keep each other encouraged and edified, if they can spur one another on toward love and good deeds, especially when it is tough and heavy and fraught in due season, this neighborhood will reap the goodness that they have sown.